So a quick question, how many of you spoke to somebody when you came in today, came into church today? How many of you spoke to somebody today? Okay. That's a good thing. There are places where people come and go and nobody ever acknowledges them or talks to them. There are places, churches that people go to for years and nobody's talked to them. The readings this weekend are about this great invitation, and we want to spend a few moments talking about invitation from two different perspectives. One is God's invitation to us, which is no good unless we accept it. And then the second part of this is our obligation to invite and include others. So there's a two-part to this. So let's look at the first part about God's lavish, lavish invitation. So in this reading from Isaiah, we hear on the Lord's mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines, juicy rich food and pure choice wines. If you notice that Jim really emphasized that, I don't know if it's because he hadn't had breakfast this morning, but he was really trying to get us to understand how important that was. And so God has this lavish feast. It's part of life. But also, of course, we look at that a little bit differently and we look at the Eucharist and we say, this is a lavish feast that's open to everybody, huh? That we want everybody to be invited to. And then he says, on this mountain he will destroy the veil that veils all peoples. So through this banquet he will remove the things that get in the way of each other, of us being in, involved with each other. And the web that is woven all the nations he will destroy death forever. So those things that weigh us down and tie us down. That's what this invitation has an obligation and an opportunity to do. Well, if you connect that then with this great parable of the wedding feast today, it gets a little bit more finely honed. And so we hear, first is the, the king has this big feast and he invites everybody and uh, they just don't plumb come. So it's really like the invitation of the gospel in our lives. Okay? This is very rich, and many just ignore it. Many just ignore it. What happened the second time around? He said, well, come on, get people. Well, some ignored the invitation. One went to his farm, another one went to work. Too busy, got too much other stuff going on, don't have time. So he sent out the third time, and they killed the messenger. You know, they say, don't murder the messenger. That happened this time. And so then he says, go on out and invite anybody. Bring anybody in, the bad and the good alike. I want the place filled. And that's really how God is. God's not in doing judgments. He's gathering us together. But then there's this one guy. Have you ever wondered about this? This one guy. And it says, my friend... How is it you came in here without a wedding garment? So what might that mean? Well, there's different scripture scholars who have ideas about this, but one that I kind of equate it to is that the guy was there physically, but his heart wasn't in it. It was just duty. It was just duty. And so I kind of liken that to even people who come to church just to take up space. Don't talk to me. Don't say the prayers, not going to sing. Don't have a wedding garment out. They're not into it. They're not into it. And so we look at that and we say, well, 
God's got this open invitation all the time, but it needs to be accepted. And part of that acceptance is getting into that, being a part of that. Now, a big part of that is hospitality. You know that we work on that a lot in our parishes. I'm reminded of when I was ordained not very long and I did a lot of weekend work in small parishes. <coughs> and uh, I talked to a couple and I said, well, I'm going to be at St. So-and-so's this weekend. And they said, well, we know where that is. We'll come to Saturday night mass and we'll take you out to eat. So I said, great. So they came to this, uh, to this church and uh, they happened to sit in somebody else's pew. So the people whose pew it was came in and they went. <coughs> they didn't say anything, they just stared. So thank goodness these friends of mine, they thought it was kind of funny, so they got up and moved. But there would be people who would never come back. And I don't blame them. Because you see, folks, this is the thing that we need to continue to get into our psyche. People are not going to leave the church because of doctrine or dogma. It's going to be how they're treated. The people who are leaving the church, by and large, are people who leave and they say, well, nobody even know I was there, so why should I bother go back? And so they go to churches where they can have a latte and a donut during the service. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> they do that because, because they're acknowledged. They're, they're welcome. And this is where I want to flip into so that you have a little bit of an understanding. This is where the synod in Rome is going to right now. So there, uh, there, there are a lot of people, not a lot of people, but there are some people, very vocal minority, who are really concerned about this, lay people and some bishops alike, unfortunately, like the ones who don't let you sing all are welcome because you're not. Because they think we're going to change church teaching. We're not. But what the church is really trying to do is to look, examine how we are with each other. How we are with each other. And we could do a better job. I'll tell you, in nearly 40 years of priesthood, I have never had to apologize for church teaching. But I have had to apologize to people over and over again about how they were treated by the church. By a pastor or a parish. It's this relationship, unfortunately, or fortunately, that impacts this relationship. Do you see what I'm saying? We can't get into God if this gets in the way. And so the second part of this then is that what do I do as far as inviting? You know, several weeks ago we had National Back to Church Sunday. So have you ever thought about inviting somebody to church? And maybe the bigger question is, what are you inviting them to? It's not the building. It's not the building. You're inviting them to a family. And if you invite them to a family, then you need to introduce them. So if I invite Diane, I say, okay, Diane, I want you to come over here and meet Jan. Because this is what we do at family gatherings. If you ever went to a family gathering and nobody talked to you, nobody asked your name, and you didn't go to, to have any conversation with anybody, you'd never go back. So this isn't just checking off the list, okay? And this weekend, we happen to be receiving uh, an award for, and through our pastorate for diversion and, and inclusivity, diversity and inclusivity. How many of you have heard about this? It's been in the bulletin for a month. 
It's been in the bulletin for a month. This is a big deal. But that's why we spend time publishing that bulletin. So it's an educational piece. There's things on there for you to pray through. And there's important announcements like this. And so we're being recognized by the Archdiocese for, do you remember reading in the bulletin about that monthly birthday party that they have? Okay, this has been wildly successful. Bringing people in, we don't care where they're from. Recognizing people with disabilities or inclusive issues. This is what the church needs to be doing. And so that's why these are critically important. But it all goes back to the invitation to this table. That's why the, the, the things that still divide us as Christians or the times that we are trying to maybe separate people from not being able to go to, go to communion, we have to look at those things. Because as the Holy Father tells us, the Eucharist is a medicine for us. It helps us to get better. And the church has taught for centuries that it is the sacrament of unity. It brings us together. So as we continue to work on that, and really our parishes are pretty good at that. We can always get better, but our parish is really pretty good at that. But we need to continue to, to think about who's not here and recognize who our guests are. You know, um, when I, I think I've told you this before, but when I was getting ready to leave college work, people would say to me, what kind of an assignment do you want next? And I said, well, I'm really not a kind of person who lusts after going to a particular place. I, I've always had a good place wherever I'm at. And uh, they said, but I know, but if you could do anything, what would you want to do? And I said, well, I just don't think I'd like to be out in the country with a bunch of parishes. <laughs> be careful what you say, because it will come back to haunt you. But one of the things that I've learned quickly is that I think about a buddy of mine uh, who's a pastor in Marshalltown of what is probably now about the biggest parish in the archdiocese, probably eight, nine, ten thousand parishioners between two places. How can you recognize the same person coming up to communion even once? The great thing about this is also the underside sometimes. You know everybody. Everybody knows your business. <clears throat> but it's also easier for you to know who the guests are. And so that's where you make community work for you. You say, you know, I don't think I've met you before. It's a time for in inclusion. It's a time for invitation. It's a time for being church. So as we continue to pray, we ask God to open our eyes to this, remind us about what this is about. We invite because Christ invites us. The invitation doesn't go any place if we don't accept his invitation, but then we in turn are called to invite others. We pray that God help us to open our hearts and our minds as well as Christ has opened his heart to us.